to Shepherd's Weekly Defence Podcast, the show about defence procurement, military technology, and the industry that gets the kit into the hands of the warfighter. We're brought to you in partnership with our sponsor, NAMO. I'm your host, Helen Haxel, Air Domain Editor here at Shepherd Media, and I'm coming to you from our global headquarters in a surprisingly sunny West London. On the show this week, I will be speaking with Ed Auslander, President and CEO of Lord Corporation, about Lord, which has now become a billion-dollar company, and how he is navigating the changing defence landscape. We then take a deep dive into all the headlines emerging from the recent Surface Navy Association's annual conference just outside of Washington, D.C. And our sponsor, NAMO, provides this week's Industry Voice segment. But first, our weekly news roundup, and I'm here with Richard Thomas, Editor-in-Chief. Hi. And Beth Mondral, Deputy Editor-Land. Hi. You guys are going to give us an update on what's caught your eye this week. Beth, how's the land domain looking? Um, Well, an interesting milestone this week um, from the land desk. Uh, We were able to confirm with the UK Ministry of Defence and General Dynamics UK that the first production... Ajax vehicles have been delivered. Mm-hmm. Now, these are the Ares variant. They're going to be used for uh, troop transport, among other things. And two were delivered in December. Two vehicles are going to be delivered in January and two more vehicles will be delivered in February to go through government acceptance testing. The British Army seems to be very busy with programmes at the moment. (laughs) Yeah, so obviously these are brand new vehicles, but they're also working on uh, Warrior and Challenger 2 programmes to upgrade those vehicles. So really what we're going to see is by the end of this decade, as these vehicles are being upgraded and new vehicles entering service, the British Army is going to look very, very different than it did a decade previously. Thanks, Beth. Richard, Naval Desk, what's been going on? A few things, really. We've got news from uh, around the world. Um, I'll just I'll start uh, quickly with uh, some news from the US. And the US Navy uh, has ordered the LCS-31, that's a literal combat ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, funding, we think, is for up to 38 of these platforms from, from an early 52 plan. So there's obviously been a, a reduction there. However, questions uh, obviously remain over the usability of the LCS platform, uh, its survivability in a contested battle space. Uh, lessons from this programme are obviously being taken forward into future service combatant designs. Mm-hmm. Um, over in Eastern Europe, uh, we've had uh, Azerbaijan's Coast Guard, which is a, 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 a branch of its border guard service, uh, is set to induct its sixth Tufan-class OPV uh, with the help and technical assistance of Israel Shipyard. Uh, the shipyard, indeed, uh, just last month, uh, iterated to, to, to us that it's really looking to use its designs uh, will market its designs and platforms to countries like Azerbaijan and elsewhere. Um, Asia Pacific, uh, a quick little story about the Indian, sorry, the Indonesian Navy, which is uh, currently negotiating with South Korea uh, over the possible purchase of a batch of three additional Type 209 SSKs, uh, which will obviously help the MODs target for minimum essential force. And that all kind of ties into um, the security situation, the environment that's, that's uh, growing there with sort of China's uh, claims to the South and East China Seas and everything that uh, goes with it. 
Staying in Asia Pacific for the air domain, uh, you mentioned the Indonesian Navy. The Indonesian military has signed for 17 new helicopters with PTDI. And now that deal's been broken down into eight units of H225Ms and nine Bell 412 EPIs, which are going to the army. Now, from an air perspective as well, the big news from Russia is on the first production of its PAKDA new generation strategic bomber, which is said to be given the go-ahead this year. Now, why is this interesting? Well, because of the grey cloud that looms from the stalled SU-57 stealth fighter programme, which has been delayed due to the pulling out of support from India. According to domestic media reports, a set of design drawings of the new bomber have been completed and production of parts for the first prototype aircraft are anticipated to begin in the coming months in Kazan. Now, this um, is an ambitious programme. The bomber is expected to make its first maiden flight in 2025 or into 2026, while its launch in serial production is slated for 2028 or 2029. Shepard will be monitoring that airspace to see if this does actually come into fruition. Thanks, Richard, for your update there on the naval desk. Welcome. And Beth, for your contribution on the land domain. No problem. For these stories and more, please visit our website, shepherdmedia.com. We wanted to take a short break into the podcast to tell you about Shepherd Studio. Studio is our branded content offering, which gives industry a more creative way to tell their stories. Shepherd Studio works closely with companies and event organisers across the aerospace and defence industry to provide bespoke co-branded solutions. Whether it is support of a particular campaign, content surrounding a major trade show or bringing Studio on board to more effectively tell a company story. Studio has already been adopted by many of the major defence primes. If you're interested in learning more about Studio projects and how they could benefit your company, please contact us at www.shepherd.studio. Beth and Richard, you were in attendance at Surface Navy in Washington, D.C. As the air editor, I've not had the privilege of attending myself. Can you give me a bit of a breakdown on what the show actually is and who attends? So Surface Navy is one of the biggest exhibitions and conferences mm-hmm. for the U.S. Navy. Other nations do attend. Yeah, <laughs> other, other nations do attend at all. But um, if you want something comparable, think about AUSA, which is the U.S. Army's event yep. um, held in Washington D.C. as well. Um, as well as the U.S. Navy, though, the U.S. Coast Guard also participate. But... Well, except this year, of course, Coast Guard were unable to participate because of the federal shutdown, ah. um, which obviously means they couldn't they couldn't do anything other than operational tasks. So any sort of speeches or sort of attendances. At conferences they weren't able to make. So was the kind of government shutdown, was that an underlying narrative that people were talking about on the show floor or? Uh, Anecdotally, yeah, I mean, people were obviously talking about it, but uh, in terms of its impact to to the services, um, the Coast Guard's suffering the most with it because, of course, they're only allowed to do operational tasks. So any sort of development programmes or integration programmes, like with the Scan Eagle on the Legend class cutters, they aren't able to do, which is obviously creating delays. So what were the main takeaways that you did take from the show then? 
Uh, a few. I mean, there's, there's, there's a whole bunch of stuff that came from the show. I'll, I'll just pick a couple of a couple of stories or programs. Um, the DDG 1000s, that's a Zumwalt class guided missile destroyer as well. All three boats are now in the water with the launch of uh, the Michael Monsoor. Uh, that's the, sorry, that's the future Michael Monsoor. That'll be named in the coming weeks. Uh, sea trials of the Zumwalt uh, continue, and uh, officials, NAVSI officials, said uh, of the latter vessel, the Zumwalt. Uh, that they're encouraging their sailors to drive it like they stole it. And it's basically power sliding <laughs> through, power sliding through the corners, uh, which they say is thanks to its tumble home hull. So if you imagine a ship's hull uh, inverted, so that the beam is uh, wider than the deck space rather than the other way around, um, that's actually where the good news ends for this program. Sadly, uh, there are, as, as I said, three in the water from dozens originally planned, oh, hugely expensive platforms, several billion dollars each. Um, also, latest pictures show that Zumwalt has been fitted without its planar arrays, planned planar arrays. Uh, rather, instead, it's borrowing technology from the Arleigh Burke class. Uh, NAVC officials said this will increase uh, the radar cross-section, but still keep it within requirements, uh, so the officials say. Um, on to the other story, actually, which uh, developed over the course of the week, and that's the FFGX what is that, Richard? <laughs> Could you give me a bit of a sure, layman's breakdown? Sure. The, the, the FFGX is a is a, a program, a planned program to introduce a, a class of up to twenty guided missile frigates for the U.S. Navy. Ah. Um, it's at a concept design uh, phase at the moment. So there are five contenders, and they're each awarded a twenty million pound uh, contract in twenty eighteen. Um, we are what eleven or twelve months into an eighteen month program. And the companies are continuing to refine their designs ahead of a summer RFP. Uh, however, NAVSI officials interestingly said that at the conclusion of the concept design phase, that uh, they would they would sort of open the competition again to uh, to designs and companies that maybe weren't included in the initial design phase, which could see the likes of, I don't know, maybe BA Systems Type 26, or it's mm-hmm. a very expensive platform. But anyway, see other designs entering the RFP phase. Um, however, cost obviously remains pa- paramount for, for NAVSI. Um, officials uh, at the show floor said the early estimate for boats 2 to 20 should cost around $950 million, although they did want to push this down to around the $800 million mark. Uh, that includes GFE, government furnished equipment. Um, the expectations, we think, are that the platform cost will range somewhere between uh, 800 and $950 million. Um, and actually, this was uh, echoed by one industry official uh, who told us that the US Navy had to keep costs down for this program because introducing you know, a guided missile frigate that costs $1.1, $1.2 billion each would impact future programs like the large surface combatant and others. Um, yeah, and obviously success of, of this program and others is paramount, absolutely paramount to US Navy efforts to reach a 355-ship fleet, which is obviously a, a driving message for the Trump presidency. I can imagine. Beth, what was your main kind of headline or what did you take from the show? Well, there was like quite a lot of stories, uh, new equipment and stuff. But one thing I did find uh, quite interesting Mm -hmm. was the US Marine Corps top officials um, speaking about how they continue to deal with their deployment to dwell ratio. So this is the Mm -hmm. um, amount of time that US Marine Corps personnel spend on operation compared to uh, at home. Um, in the US. And um, the US Marine Corps officials said that over time, the service is going to need to decrease its operational commitments in order to um, hit the desired 
deployment to dwell ratio, which is one to three. Now, at the moment, it stands at one to two. So you can right. imagine that the service itself is feeling quite um, stretched. Longer tours, longer deployments. Yeah. So it's quite interesting, though, if you think about the wider context of um, the Trump administration pulling out of certain um, conflict zones and stuff, this line of thought kind of fits with that thinking. So um, just something interesting that was said during one of the conferences. Surface Navy marked the first show of the year for the Shepherd team. Coming up is ADEX 2019 in Singapore. Be sure to check out our website with regards to all the latest news, stories and videos from Singapore. I'm here with Matt Smith, who is our Director of Analysis here at Shepherd Media. Hi, Matt. Hi, Ellen. The Plus team and yourself have been working furiously over the past several months on our Shepherd Plus business intelligence service. So for the benefit of our listeners, Matt, could you tell us exactly what is Shepherd Plus? Sure thing, Helen. So Shepherd Plus is a market intelligence tool for the uh, defence and aerospace sector. It combines a database of military equipment and news and analysis from Shepherd journalists, analysts and our subject matter experts. It's available through a web portal and all of our data is fully searchable and can be exported into Excel for further analysis. So what kind of information is available, Matt, and how is the PLUS tool used by its subscribers? So the main feature of our, of our tool is, uh, is a database which provides information on who is buying which military equipment. Mm-hmm. Each record contains information like order and delivery numbers, unit costs, uh, key product attributes, as well as a narrative description of, uh, of the system itself. We also link all of the major subsystems like weapons, engines and electronic systems to to the main record. So what can we expect from Shepard Plus in 2019 in terms of further developments or upgrades to the system? Well, we currently focus on armoured vehicles, helicopters, unmanned systems and artillery and air defence. In the future, we're looking to add a naval warfare section and we plan to expand that further to also include combat aircraft. Another thing we're working on is a uh, programs module, and this will cover unawarded procurement programs. Uh, and the idea here is to give more insight and deeper insight into equipment markets. Uh, our first program forecast will cover military vehicles, and we expect to have that ready in March. So there you have it, Shepherd Plus. Thank you, Matt. Thanks, Helen. So if you want to find out more, you can email plus at shepherdmedia.com or contact us through our website. I caught up with President and CEO of Lord Corporation, Ed Auslander. The company is a manufacturer and developer of vibration, noise and motion control parts on helicopters and fixed-wing aircraft. I asked Ed about the company's latest announcement, industry challenges and opportunities that lay ahead for the organisation this year. I am speaking with Ed Auslander, President and CEO at Lord Corporation, Thanks for joining me, Ed. Now, you've been at the company for just shy of four decades, and I'm sure in this time you've seen a lot of change within industry and at Lord. But recently, the company provided an announcement on Lord becoming a $1 billion company. What does this mean for the wider business? Yeah, sure. The $1 billion sales is a great milestone for Lord, uh, but only one step in our growth journey. Our team members have achieved a lot, especially over the last couple of years, where we've grown 
uh, 10% each year, but more importantly, each business has grown uh, in every region, two years in a row, which is fantastic. Uh, we're going to briefly celebrate this great milestone, and then we're going to drive forward to the next summit. When I started at Lord in 1984, Lord was about a $200 million revenue company. Our industries, our markets, customers, competitors, suppliers, they've all changed. They've all evolved uh, over that time. Uh, but one thing that's been consistent over the last 35 years at Lord is our unending passion to collaborate and transform innovative ideas into value for our customers and implement solutions that move uh, just about every person in the world. And this focus on innovation, this constant never-ending focus on innovation has enabled Lord to drive, to adapt and drive success through every cycle and every technology transformation. So this is definitely a good news story. When we consider that military budgets are being tightened, uh, political decision makers, not mentioning any names, are flip-flopping. And some companies, particularly within the rotary space, are even filing for administration. Ed, what's Lord's secret? Or how have you combated these challenges effectively and run with the punches? Yeah, it's, it's definitely an, an interesting environment that we live in. On, on many fronts. First and foremost, Lord always focuses on collaborating. Uh, we collaborate with our customers, with our partners, with our you know, so suppliers uh, to create value. And creating value is also a, a key pillar there. And we do it not only for today, but for the, for the long term. Uh, we also have this uh, approach uh, that we're constantly investing for the future, and we're a very patient company. And back to value, we're, we're very fortunate that our, our solutions offer real tangible value to our customers. For example, our active vibration control system for the Chinook, the CH-47, uh, offered significant weight reduction, uh, increased the life of components throughout the aircraft, to lower uh, wear and tear and maintenance costs, uh, and even make the pilots more comfortable, uh, which at the end of the day, all of that rolled together uh, improves safety. Uh, so this compelling uh, value proposition we have for a lot of our solutions is what's enabled us to withstand the ups and downs of uh, spending priorities and uh, DO from DOD and others. What key growth areas are you seeing for Lord that perhaps you forecast, forecasted and perhaps maybe those that you didn't? I've been uh, CEO for, for about six years. Uh, going back about six years, uh, we did a lot of work to look at the world environment, our strategy, and we knew the world was going to become much more volatile, much more uncertain. Uh, and it was going to be a very much of a slow growth uh, environment. So back to our investing for the future, we, we identified 18 growth programs that were adjacencies to our core business. And uh, through time, uh, we've kind of put some into our base business. We've killed some. Uh, we've pruned some. And, and now we have six growth programs that are ex accelerating in the and the one industry trend that's aligned to some of those is this global trend of electrification. 
so in aerospace, we see electrification happening quite dramatically, uh, shifting from hydraulic systems to electromechanical systems, fly-by-wire systems. And Lord is very well positioned for those with our uh, acquisition of fly-by-wire in France. Uh, you saw our big uh, announcement with Boeing for the auto throttle module, active vibration control, torque sensing. Uh, we're very well positioned for that. Uh, and then also electrification in, in automotive and, and autonomy uh, in ve- vehicles, whether it's automotive or, or aerospace. And another key area, which is kind of an interesting connection to aerospace, is we didn't uh, play too much in the oil and gas industry. And we, we've developed a lot of technology in aerospace that directly applies to the uh, oil and gas industry. And we, we started investing that a little while ago, probably not at the right timing because it was a little bit of a downturn, but things are accelerating today. Uh, and we've been able to take our, our helicopter uh, technology uh, for high-capacity laminated bearings uh, into the oil and gas industry, and we developed a 10,000 PSI rated bearing. And uh, for some dynamic seals for oil and gas with our aerospace technology, we've been able to increase the life of some uh, solutions for that industry by a factor of 50 to 100 by taking that technology and applying it to a different industry. So, And that, that initiative is going quite well for us. Quarter 1, 2019 has started well for Lord, but I mean, Ed, are there any challenges that you are signposting for this year ahead or what's keeping you up at night? Yeah, we we finished 18 strong. We're starting uh, 19 strong also. But yeah, there, there are concerns. I think global uncertainty is a concern for Lord uh, and for most people, whether it's geopolitical, uh, trade wars, tariffs, U.S. government shutdown, Brexit, you know, fluctuating budgets, uh, cybersecurity, all of these things are a, are a concern. And when, when people are uncertain, they stop buying, uh, which leads to a recession. So we're really monitoring uh, everything right now, uh, looking for signs and um, making sure Lord is, is ready to adapt to wherever the world goes. The other side, on the positive side, uh, Lord has won a lot of programs in 2018, and uh, we need to support that growth. Uh, over the last couple of years, in 17 and 18, when we grew 10% each year, we did a really good job uh, focusing on improving our safety, our quality, our delivery, hiring and onboarding uh, people, uh, and also a very nice job with our supply chain, confirming capacities. Uh, adding alternatives and mitigating supply chain risk. Lord is ubiquitous across military programs in the US and beyond. Lord is in fact involved, for instance, on both technological demonstrators for future vertical lift, Sikorsky Boeing with the Defiant and the Bell V280 Valor. Are there any other key programs this year that you're particularly keen to learn more on or, in fact, be a part of? I mean, for instance, I'm aware at the end of last year, there was rumblings about a U.S. Army Scout attack helicopter. Uh, Good question. First Lord is very proud to be investing partners on the uh, future vertical lift program. Uh, it's It's a great 
uh, platform for the future for the United States. Uh, we also, as you know, we, we, we are supporting uh, just about every single military program uh, for, the, for the U.S. and beyond, our partners in Europe, and that's our history. Uh, so we, let's say we're keenly interested in, in all platforms, uh, but also also existing platforms with all of the the budget uh, strains uh, that we have. A lot of aircraft like JSF, uh, Chinook, uh, the CH-53K is a real critical one for production launch. B-22, it's not, not only new platforms, but a lot of these platforms are going to be upgraded or are being upgraded. Uh, and Lord is participating in quite a big way. One of the newer areas uh, that we're focusing on for those upgrades is torque sensing. Develop some unique technology on that. Let's say that uh, solution uh, area. Continue to work on Omni act- active vibration control systems for the various platforms. Cockpit control motion control systems using electromechanical system technology. Inertial sensing uh, with our acquisition of MicroStrain uh, is also having a big play across uh, multiple platforms. So it's yeah, we're interested in all of the all of the new programs and all of the upgrade programs. On the commercial side, uh, we're very thrilled to uh, witness some of the some signs of recovery uh, with Bell, Leonardo helicopter, and Airbus helicopter all faring pretty well, and uh, looks like they're pretty well positioned to take advantage of some uptick after uh, two or three years of slow growth. Ed, are there any key technological trends that you are keen to highlight that might still be in the research and development stages or perhaps further along? Speaking with the team last year, we mentioned uh, fly-by-wire, which still seems very much part of Lord's vision and dialogue. Is that still true or are there other aspects of technology that you're particularly focused on? Yeah, for future vertical flight, I think um, what we've uh, shown over the last 10 to 15 years is active vibration control has a really critical value proposition, whether it's to reduce weight, whether it's to improve maintenance costs, lower maintenance costs, or whether it's to help enable flight. So active vibration control, I think, will be a big part of future vertical lift, uh, no matter who who the winner is. And, um, and we're a key part of that. I'd say something that, um, that will be, that's also potentially emerging down the road uh, are things related to torque sensing, more use of electromechanical systems will also be uh, areas where Lord is well positioned. Uh, also, uh, as helicopters incre- increasingly require safety features, we see active controls as a solution that could enable more value and and align and accelerate our customers' technology roadmaps. Say the other area that you're going to see a lot more of in the industry and and for the long term uh, is a focus on unique materials. It's a huge possible innovation space to drive more value for our customers, and, and we're investing a lot in this area. Ed, if you and I were to speak in, say, five years, maybe even a decade's time, and you've got your crystal ball at the ready, what are your aspirations or expectations for Lord? Yeah, so uh, so five years out, a few areas I think are going to be be um, 
Uh, let's say what we see or what would be a success for Lord is that our electrification trends that are in the world today, our initiatives in those spaces for electromechanical systems, fly-by-wire solutions, sensing solutions uh, for aerospace and defense, and our unique uh, material solutions for electric vehicles uh, have been big success stories. Uh, also, uh, that we're now, with our customers, considered a top-level uh, Tier 1 supplier, collaborating with our customers and creating more value for them on much more significant content systems. And I'd say the best way to say it is that we've made the impossible real for many customers multiple times. Thanks ever so much, Ed, for your time and for that comprehensive insight into Lord. I enjoyed the, uh, the conversation and um, I very much appreciate it. So thank you. I'm Tony Skinner, VP of Content here at Shift Media, and welcome to this week's Industry Voice, which is sponsored by Namo. I'm joined by Indra Lunder, who's the SVP of Communications for Namo. Indra, you've been kind enough to sponsor the podcast, and obviously we've seen the industry change quite a lot in terms of the trade press, you know, and how the defence companies and defence industry sort of communicates you know, why did you want to be involved in a podcast project like this? And how does that kind of reflect the changing nature of the way that you, you sort of market the company and, and your communication strategy? Well, great. Uh, well, first of all, let me say just thank you, first of all, to uh, letting us on and be part of this project. I think it's, uh, it's a bit of a milestone in uh, industry because we've been missing a little bit this weekly kind of news summary and uh, see a little what's going on in, well, global defense uh, that's a little bit why we're also wanting to be a part of this because we see that there's a big gap in the market. And I also think that there's a movement in how the defense trade press is working and how the defense industry is communicating. From a, from a commu- communications point of view and a, in terms of your marketing strategy, you know, what, what do you sort of expect from the trade press? What, what could we be doing better to sort of meet your communications needs? Well, I think it's a big uh, generational change happening both in the trade press and in uh, well, on the customer side. Uh, and I think uh, we've seen that on well within Shepard, but also other defense media companies. You have a new generation of young reporters. I'm very pleased to see so many of them are women, and I think that's really uh, beneficial to uh, to the whole sector. And I think there's also a new generation of people coming in on the other side who have grown up with. Uh, different channels be able to pick and choose a little bit more what they want to follow. They want quick summaries. They want to have it where they are on the go. Uh, the big print magazines, like you said, they're uh, they are definitely a, still a factor. I think for some markets, it's still going to be for a while. But there is a need for more breadth than this. But I also think it's 
I think that's why I like working with you guys, Shepard, because I think you're trying new things and trying new models. Uh, I think we have to admit that there is still part of the uh, the trade press, which is a little bit stuck in a sense, and a business model. I'm not sure it's really working anymore. And it feels a little bit um, iffy at some point, because I get, get the sense that there's this small tendency there for almost pay-for-play. I don't like that word, but it, it's actually true. It's this perception that, well, you buy nice coverage. You get yourself an ad, and then you get an article that says something nice about you. And I, I really think that it's important that trade press and the industry, if we are really going to build credibility, that the press that covers the industry also is taking a clear stand away from that and is developing these new models. And, and what does this mean for you know your plans for 2019? I mean, what kind of marketing communications initiatives can we sort of expect you know from Namo? Um, is it still going to be centered on the sort of trade show activity? Are you still sort of following those traditional advertising routes? Well, I think for us specifically, I think you'll see that you won't see many ads from us in 2019. Uh, we've cut away most of our uh, traditional advertisement budget. Uh, we're focusing on a few partnerships with uh, key media that we believe have a good credibility and are really uh, part of moving the industry and the trade press forward. Uh, but in addition to that, I think you'll see working more on content. I'm a firm believer that the industry needs to get better at telling its own story. Uh, and I think you'll see that at our trade shows as well. We're focusing on fewer but better trade shows, uh, making more of a, ensuring more of a presence at the places where we really are uh, participating. And at those shows, we're also going to try to find a different way of telling a story. It just It's a temptation when you're in the ammunition business to show off uh, all your products and uh, just have row after row of bullets. And I don't think... That really tells most people that much. So uh, we're going to try and move a little bit away from that and focus on, okay, what are the technologies? What is it really we think is interesting? And I think that's something in general, not just at a trade show, but how do we do the website? Uh, how industry in general explains what it does to people around it. I think that's something we really have to get better at uh, as a whole. I'm really curious to see how industry is going to... Uh, communicate in 2019. I'm really curious to see if uh, we're going to see some sort of general trend because I think we would all benefit if we uh, looked long and hard and uh, how we spend our money and our time and our effort and had a real think through of who are we talking to and what what are we trying to achieve. Excellent. That's a really good insight. And that was this week's Industry Voice. This episode of Shepherd's Weekly Defence Podcast was brought to you by our sponsor, NAMO. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please head over to shepherdmedia.com to access all our news stories and subscriber content. We'd love to hear what you thought of the podcast, so please do subscribe, rate and give a review on iTunes or other podcasting platforms. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.